Well, hi friends, uh, my name's Andrew, I'm one of the pastors here at EV, and I want to add my welcome to Rowan's. It's really great to be with you as we continue through our foundation series here at EV. We're asking the question, what does it mean to be God's people? What are the foundational purposes for which we exist? It's been a really helpful reminder, hasn't it? Uh, To see that we exist to glorify God, to live for Him. It's the foundation that we call magnification. And then last week, to see God's heart, to see His purpose for us all to be people on mission. Now, if for some reason you've missed those last couple of weeks, then can I encourage you to to pop back to our YouTube channel later on and take a look? It's it's really great stuff. But you know, for so many, Christianity and and church in general, it's indistinguishable from a club. You know, there are those that that love cars and they kind of form a car club. Uh, uh, People who like to play soccer, they join a soccer club. Uh, there are people like myself who, who love boats. We're always talking about the number of fish we catch or, or the sailing trips we may have been on. You know, when we're out on the water, we give a, a silent hand wave, a gesture, acknowledging that we're just part of an elite group of people who have the freedom to go wherever we want. It's easy to think Christianity and church is just another label for people who like Christ. A community for people who want to interact around their shared hobby of God, Jesus and the Bible. But friends, being a Christian, trusting in Jesus is so much more than than joining a club. It's so much more profound than that. It's much more like being accepted into a new family. In fact, it's being adopted into a new family, God's family. It's this adoption that redefines all our previous relationships with our our ethics, our values, uh, our view of the world and our view of people. It brings us into a new family with a new head and a new commitment. Not a set of preferences that can kind of come and go, but a radical redefinition of who we are and whose we are. And that has massive implications about how we think and how we act and how we live. And so today we're looking at the foundation of what we call membership. And if we understand it properly, it will make sense of why Christians act the way we do. We'll see the reason for this new family we're now a part of. So in our passage today, the author of Hebrews gives us some insight into how we should think about this new family. And he doesn't start with how this family is to operate, but to who we we are gathered, to whom we belong. He makes it clear that those who trust Jesus belong with God in his house. Pick it up with me at verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus... He has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Now, in the Old Testament, the the sanctuary was the inner place where God's presence dwelt. It was called the Holy of Holies, and it was separated from the rest of the temple by this, this big, thick, heavy curtain. Once a year, the high priest would enter the sanctuary and offer a sacrifice to God on behalf of all the people. But Jesus' blood and flesh offered in death on the cross for our sins was the perfect and final sacrifice that resulted in permanent access to God. Jesus has entered the heavenly sanctuary on our behalf. And so Jesus is called our great high priest. He's gone behind the curtain and he anchors our souls in solid hope there. This is why Jesus' death and resurrection is such good news, because we have a new and living way in which to approach God. So we now belong to God. We're his possession. In fact, elsewhere, the Bible refers to this access as children approaching a father. Check out John, 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the father has given us, that we should be called God's children. And we are. You see, friends, we've been adopted into God's family. 
And it's a large, diverse, kind of multi-ethnic family from every tribe and nation and language. God is our father. Jesus is our big brother. And this family continues to grow. Jesus is in the business of creating a people for himself, not merely isolated individuals. He's gone to great lengths to make a way for you to belong to God and so belong in his family. Because of Jesus, we can now draw near. And if God has gone to that much effort to open a way for us, we should trust him. We can draw near to the God of the universe through faith. Read with me again, verse 21. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. This is no small thing. Our creator, the holy, breathtaking God, invites us to his place. You see, we're invited to approach God and amazingly to come with boldness. Not, not an arrogance, but an assurance. A full assurance knowing that our hearts have been sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Many years ago, there used to be a one-day music festival here in Auckland called Big Day Out. Some of you may remember it. Some of you may have even been to it. <laughs> anyway, a friend of mine was helping out one year, and he had an all-area access pass. And so the day I visited, uh, they were doing a sound check, and he took me backstage and showed me around. Now, I might have been a bit nervous, but I'd been invited by someone with an all-area access pass. It didn't matter how nervous I was. I got him based on the past clipped to my friend's shirt, if anyone asked. And it's like this with Jesus. We can only draw near to God because of Jesus' atoning work on the cross, which gives us an all-area access to our heavenly home. And here's the thing. It's not just us, but others have drawn near also. God is gathering a, a whole bunch of us to himself. We're a people now. It's not just you and God, but it's, it's us and God. And this is about coming to God with confidence, not because we're holy in ourselves, but because of Jesus. And so we belong first and foremost to God. And together, we belong in God's family, which means that we belong to one another, to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Take a look for yourself, verses 24 and following. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, for some of us, this may be a familiar passage. And as you read that, there are lots of questions. How do you provoke love? How often am I supposed to gather together? Once a day? Once a week? Once a month or maybe just Christmas and Easter, you know, those, those Christian uh, holidays. <laughs> How do we encourage each other? These are all important questions. But it's not until we get to the end of the sentence that we see the reason why this is also important. It says this, all the more as you see the day approaching. You might not have realized this, but there's a day approaching. Not, not an old day, but the final day. It's the day that Jesus returns. And it's our only hope of getting through that day unscathed is by remaining in Jesus' family, by trusting in what Jesus did at the cross. The cross where he died my death and rose to give me life. But here's the reality. That day is fast approaching. And so let me ask you, do you believe that? That that day is approaching? Have you got that in your mind that the reality of Jesus' return is imminent? that day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. 
We saw last week that the holiness of God is an incredibly scary reality to come face to face with if you're a broken and, and rebellious sinner. This is every human on the face of the planet. This is you, this is me. <laughs> but the news of Jesus is the antidote to that fear. We can come to him because of the work of Jesus as our high priest. And so what are we to do in the meantime? What is our priority to be as the family of God? Well, we're to provoke one another to love and good works. Verse 24. Now, the old NIV translation has um, this, this verse as spur one another on, which is, which is nice. <laughs> but I quite like what the CSB is doing here to bring out the counterculture nature that's required to motivate us Christians to love others and to do good works. You see, it, it helps us ground what love is and what good works are. And the point is this, that it's not going to be comfortable as we seek to love others and, and motivate them to good works. It's going to take time, energy, and effort, and we'll have to go out of our way, but it's necessary for us. You know, I still remember when our eldest daughter got her first splinter. Uh, she was in tears, obviously uncomfortable. Uh, we tried to explain to her that the splinter in her foot needed to come out. It took some coercing and, and a lot of restraining, <laughs> but eventually we carefully removed it. It hurt a lot. Uh, she nearly screamed the house down, uh, but after it was out, she was happy. And I think that's kind of the picture we see here in Hebrews, that, that honest love that points out the splinter. It's not rude or arrogant, but like a, a loving parent who tenderly points out the splinter in their child's foot. You know, too often in Christian community, we, we stuff this up. We get this wrong, too, too rough with pointing out the splinters, or we sometimes we don't point them out at all, and then they just kind of get infected, and they cause a whole lot of other complications within our relationships with each other. We need to ask, are we lovingly provoking one another? But did you pick up the fact that we actually can't provoke others if we're not in community with them? I don't know if you saw that, but those who are neglecting to gather together, who are not in each other's lives, they're not positioned well to do the type of exhorting that the writer of Hebrews is asking. Have you ever stopped to consider the fact that God has placed you in this particular community for a reason? that it's here that he will teach you and grow you and, and shape you to be more like Jesus. And so this means that God's people, those who have drawn near to him, who share a gospel unity of hope, are to actually be a part of God's family in a, in a very real and tangible way. I take it we're to be in one another's lives so that we can actually do this, that we can actually provoke one another to love and good works. And here's the rub. Some of us are in one another's lives, but we, we don't provoke one another. <laughs> We're just about the hangs and the good food. <laughs> we never really talk about Jesus or how uh, God's worldview shapes the way we live. And yet some of us love to provoke, but we're not in anyone's life. <laughs> you might come on a Sunday, but you're not in a connect group or, or, or have any people around you. You're not doing life with anyone. And so you might find other outlets for provoking fellow Christians to love and good works. You might, for example, take to social media. But see, here's the thing. God has called us into relationship with himself and relationship with other Christians. Belonging to God's family means that we now have a new priority in life, to live for him and to love those around us. God does not want us to live this life on our own. Instead, God desires his people to be a part of a gospel-shaped community that are doing life together. And it's the gospel that binds us together. It's the gospel that, that creates true, genuine community. It's, it's not some common hobby. 
but we're called to a common purpose, to see many people standing firm on that final day. It's gospel partnership that encourages and and helps us to persevere. It it defines who you are and gives you a Christ-like shape to your life. You see, it's gospel community that welcomes in more of God's future children. And it's the joyful partnership we share in the gospel that underpins the purpose we call membership here at EV. It's precisely because we're now part of God's family that that God's plans and purposes have become ours. The gospel is what brings us together and the gospel is what keeps us together. And so membership for us is, is this picture of loving and belonging to the Auckland EV community. For we're a community of believers bound up in Christ, seeking to make his name famous here in Auckland. And so let me say a couple of things about these two words, loving and belonging. Loving the family out of a love for Jesus is something that Colossians 3 really paints a picture of. See it on the screen. Verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, which, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. A great, great passage there, but this helps us understand that we'll go out of our way to prioritize those in our gospel community. It means that we'll prioritize meeting regularly in connect groups, where you connect with God through his word and you can connect with others as well. That's why we call them connect groups. It means that we'll have people over in our homes and share meals with them. It means that we'll prioritize showing up to church on Sundays, not because we have to, but because for the sake of others, we want to and we need to. We'll become a blessing by being hospitable to those in our church. We'll show some practical care. We'll drop in to see people, check on people as they're going through the ups and downs of life. Inviting others to come around and to share life with you. Share your life, your struggles, your, your doubts and fears, your joy and hope and happiness with one another. You know, imagine a city in which Auckland EV is known as a church that sacrificially loves those in their community, in the community of believers, where we are a group of people under Christ who are wholeheartedly for one another, all for the sake of the kingdom of God. And that's what loving Auckland EV community should look like. Those are the values that we as a church want to uphold. And you see, such loving will create a sense of belonging, not just in the formal sense that you signed a membership form or something, but in taking ownership of the community God has placed you in. Can you proudly say, this is my church family, warts and all. (laughs) This is where I do life. Like the friend who always speaks highly of their family, the the love they have for them and how proud they are of their parents or their siblings. That's the same picture we want to see here. That's the joy, the gift that is belonging to being a part of this family. And you know, we're a growing church and so I need to say, you won't necessarily know everyone in your congregation, but that's okay. We like to say here that that you won't know everyone, but that you will be known. You will belong. You will be able to find your place within this family of Christ. This is the picture of the gospel community. This is the picture of the local church. 
Now, by this point, you may have noticed that I haven't said much about church per se. I've been speaking about what it means to belong to the family of God and how that plays out in the lives of believers. So so what is church? Well, in one sense, church is simply God's gathered people around his throne in heaven. That's the picture that John paints for us in Revelation. It's what's often referred to as the heavenly church. But the writers of the New Testament seem to group God's people into visible gatherings. And so, for example, Paul is starting churches all over the place. And we see this when he writes his letters. He addresses the churches, plural, of Galatia. Or he writes to the church in Philippi or to the church in Thessalonica. Each and every one of these local churches is a full and complete expression of of what is happening around that throne room in heaven. And so a church is, is certainly not about a building. It's about a people who belong to God. And church is certainly not about us doing religion. It's about God gathering us to himself through his son that we now belong to one another. And what's more, church is not even an event that you just attend. (laughs) It's a family that is expressed in the local gathering. And so at Auckland EV, we're not just a social club, right? It's not a sports club where we compete against each other. We're not even like some boaty yacht club. (laughs) No, church is an outpost of heaven on earth where we meet with the God of the universe together and and hear his voice through the Bible. And so let me say this, if you're tuning in today and you know you haven't yet experienced what it is to know God, to to be known by him, to be a part of his family and to to have that all access pass to the creator of the universe, then, then don't miss out any longer. Come and meet the God who made you and loves you. Come and be a part of his family. And sometimes it'll hurt, sometimes we do silly stuff. But that's part of what it means to be family, isn't it? Where we belong together. You see, belonging to a church will mean that Sunday attendance is also a priority for us. It's the high point of the week for Christians. It's the testament to what God is actually doing in this world when the the church gathers. If you're always having beach days or catch up with friends on Sundays, why not plan them for Saturday or, or do them after church? If you've got kids that are often invited to birthday parties on a Sunday, it might be time to bite the bullet and say, no, tell them that you might arrive later. It'll teach your kids good priorities and and be a strong witness to others that God comes first. Because true worshipers gather. Let me say that again, true worshipers gather. But let's set some expectations because as you and I both know, there is no perfect church. Like any human relationship, sometimes there'll be disagreements and and misunderstandings within the church. At such times, we can be very tempted to stay quiet about what we're feeling or thinking, but our silence can sometimes just heighten the fracture of a relationship until it's completely broken. Well, we're aware of that fact, and we're aware of the fact here at EV that we're a bunch of people that convinced we're not perfect, but we are captivated by the one who is. It's even written on our website. Because God is still working on shaping us into the likeness of His Son. And so we're going to continue to experience the consequences of sin. We'll still hurt one another, and and that's just the pastors. (laughs) And so that means that it's not a matter of if, but when you'll be offended by those in your Christian community. And you see, it's how we respond in these moments that will allow the gospel to really shine. It's how Christians seek restoration within their family of God that speaks volumes of us to a self-centered world. So one tool that we uh, have here at EV that we've found helpful is to 
have a framework in which to have a chat with someone about any issues that may arise. If you've come through newish, you, you may be familiar with the acronym uh, SBI. SBI, it stands for Situation, Behavior and Impact. And it's a, a stepped approach to raising an issue with a brother or sister here at church, or, or anywhere for that matter, without vilifying the person or, or attributing motive. So the example I often use is a fictional member of our church. His name's Frank. One Sunday, Frank walks into church and completely ignores me when I go to shake his hand and say hi. And so I call Frank up and I say, Frank, it's Andrew here. I just wanted to uh, raise something with you. It's been kind of bothering me. I'm sure it wasn't intentional uh, and I'm probably misreading things. But, but last Sunday when you walked into church, I went to shake your hand and it seemed like you completely ignored me. So situation, walked into church, behavior, uh, he ignored me. So Frank, it made me wonder if there was something I'd done to offend you. It was like you wanted nothing to do with me. So, so there's the impact. So what I've done there is I've specified the situation, walking into church, the behavior, ignoring me, and then how it made me feel. It's the impact that it had on me. And so now Frank has a chance to respond and can own what he can own. So let's say perhaps he says something like, oh, bro, thanks for raising that with me. Yeah, yeah I had a particularly bad morning that Sunday. I almost wasn't going to come to church. I remember walking in, but I just wanted to get to my seat and collect my thoughts and prepare myself for the service. I, I don't actually remember seeing you or your gesture of a handshake. So sorry about that. I'm not upset with you at all. Uh, and I appreciate you bringing that up with me. Situation, behavior, impact. You should give it a try sometime. It really takes the sting out of conversations. I think it helps calibrate our tone and it, it really does assume the best possible outcome. Look, even in this past week, I've had a SBI conversation with someone and someone else has raised something with me. This is normal. It's healthy. It's, it's what family do. It's what God's family should do. Because remember, friends, that that day is approaching. As Christians who have been shown forgiveness in Jesus, we of all people should be humble enough to apologize where we can and to not defame the name of Jesus for which we're ambassadors to. Worse yet, it could result in a fractured relationship and then people decide to leave the community of God, the community that God's called them into in the first place. So I want to say a few things about leaving a church. As I've already mentioned, church communities are families that we belong to. They're not just clubs that you're loyal to. We need to recognize that we live in a consumer society. It's one in which we can kind of chop and change our allegiance to any particular brand we have. Millions and millions of dollars each year are spent by companies on marketing campaigns trying to increase their market share of the product that they're trying to sell you. But church is not like that. Church is different. We don't change churches simply because it's failing to meet my personal preferences or, or I get upset about something. The fact that we're all made up of different personalities and diverse backgrounds is evidence of a gospel at work. As we look around church, I take it that it should look like a bit of unlikely misfits. People kind of looking in should go, well, what is it about this community? Why are they all here together? That the tapestry of our community is one which has a bunch of different types of people, including those who might be awkward or annoying. But to leave a church because of some awkward people undermines the very nature of the gospel of equality and unity across natural dividing lines. Now, another reason someone might consider leaving a church is that you have a particular gifting that doesn't seem to have an outlet within that existing church ministry. You might say that your, your cause is not sufficiently championed, but that's okay. 
now might not be the right time in the life of this church for that to be utilized. One of the things I find helpful about being a church that's organized around these kind of five foundational purposes is that we can always ask the clarifying question, well, which purpose does that gift fall under? Which purpose does that uh, cause come under? And so, for example, you might be like me, passionate about starting a, f- a church soccer team, uh, but that doesn't really fit under the biblical purpose of God's people. However, you might you know, approach Ming and say, look, I've got a great missional idea. I want to see a soccer team start up where 50% of the team are from church and the, the rest are made up of friends who don't yet know Jesus. Fantastic. But does it need to be an EV soccer team? Or can it just simply be a team with people from EV in it? So another common reason people might move churches is because of the worship music. And I use that term loosely, worship music, but where that's not your preferred style. It might be too loud or too soft. It might be too repetitive or too wordy. You know, the frustrations we may have around the 20 minutes of corporate singing together can result in some people leaving a church. But the truth is, is that worshiping outside of our comfort zone and style preferences can actually be healthy for us. It can cultivate a humility and, and can make worship more about God than our own consumer ideas. The question isn't, is my preference, but is it true? Do the words build up? Does it help us to remember how great our God is and spur me on to respond, not just intellectually, but as Jared was saying the other week, to, to deep truth with deep emotion. And then sometimes people just feel that they don't get much out of church. <laughs> but look, that, that's asking the wrong question, isn't it? It positions church in terms of what we can get out of it and what we can take away. But ultimately, church is not about what we get out of it, but what we give. How we serve, how we build up the body of Christ. That's what church is about. And so the stories that encourage me most are when people kind of move to Auckland and they they come amongst us here at EV and they tell me the, the hardest thing about moving into Auckland was actually leaving their previous church. That tells me so much. It tells me so much, not just about their church that they've come from, but the experience they've had of Christian community, of gospel partnership. Because it it should be hard to leave the family. It should be emotional and difficult, and it shouldn't happen often. (laughs) We should be very slow when it comes to considering to leave a church. I want to encourage you to, to pray about it, to consult wise counsel on it, and to dialogue about it with your pastors. But the thing that devastates me the most is when people leave church and they just never land anywhere. They're truly homeless Christians. If you've been a Christian for a while, you probably know someone in this boat. They're disgruntled because of an unresolved hurt. Uh, They've been burned by the the created and decided to walk away from the creator. (laughs) Or, Or they're frustrated at something that isn't how they want it to be within the church. Or even worse, they feel they're better off without belonging to a local church. Look, can I just say, if, if that's you, if you're tuning in online and, and that's you, we'd love to hear from you because God's plan A for our discipleship and growth is the local church. He doesn't have a plan B. You know, the apostles, they don't conceive of anything called Christian that's not connected to Christ's body expressed in the local church. We're also looking at how we can plant little microchurches across the country We have a deep desire here to see many, many more churches and more people standing firm in Jesus with a church to call home. So why not reach out? If you know a friend who's looking for a good Bible teaching church, put them in contact with us. 
Because the New Testament has no vision for the Christian life apart from playing our part in the local church. And so if that's you today, if you're tuning into this virtual church, can I encourage you? Can I urge you to get plugged into a Christian community? If you can't find one, let us know. We'd love to help you out. Now, the irony of the fact that I'm here talking about the importance of gathering together amidst a a pandemic like COVID is not lost. Don't worry. It's been a difficult time for everyone, hasn't it? And in many different ways. And nothing has grieved us as pastors more than, than not being able to meet as we've been used to. And so as we pass 100 days of being in lockdown this week, 14 weeks of not being able to gather as the full expression of Christ's local body, Auckland EV, the question in front of all of us is, when will things be back to normal? <laughs> when will this 2D experience of church on TV be over? <laughs> now, some people might be tempted to go as far as to say that this passage in Hebrews commands us to gather on Sundays. That as Christians, we've been sinning for the last 14 weeks by not gathering as a large group in the school hall or, or on university campus. And I want to say that there is some truth to that, but there's also some error. We are called as this local expression of God's body, to not neglect meeting together. That's right there in the passage in front of us. And yet what's also evident in the passage is that we are to consider the ways to do this. You see, we must not place the emphasis in the wrong place. Verse 24 does not say, let us consider one another in order to not neglect to gather on Sundays in groups of over 250 people. No, it asks us to consider how to provoke one another to love and to good works. And it implies that this will be done in community, irrespective of size. So here we are in a pandemic. And given the medical advice we've received and the direction of the government and the wisdom we've sought as your church leaders, we've agreed that the best thing to do at the moment is to continue to meet online. It's not church. We recognize that. It's not physically present with others. (laughs) But it's the most helpful thing we can do, given the situation, to spur one another on to love and good deeds. And we know it's really hard, but we also know that God has got this under control. And for whatever reason, he wants us to go through it. We literally can't tell you when we'll be allowed back on the school grounds or the university campus for that matter. And for the last three weeks, we've, we've actually been able to meet outdoors. And now not everyone has an outdoor area, but I, I know a number of people that have put this verse into practice. One family I heard of, they invested in their first TV in order to host people in their undercover patio area. What a great kingdom investment. I know of others who have set up projectors on their porch and made the effort together. Perhaps today you're watching and right now outside with others as well. I want to say great work. It's such a joy to gather with others, to be able to sing together, to chat about life and to to pray together. So even though we can't gather like we're used to, it doesn't mean that we stop provoking each other to love and good works. It's somewhat providential that this coming Friday on the 3rd of December, the entire nation is going to move over to the new traffic light framework. This means that we'll finally be able to meet in one another's homes again. And so make sure that you do that. Uh, Invite each other around. If you haven't got any invites, let us know. It's literally my job to help you connect and belong. So let me do my job and and I'd love to find you a place together next Sunday. Could even be at my place. But here's my challenge to you. Don't watch church on your own this summer. Join in with other families. Join in with other flats. Let's make sure that we don't neglect to gather with others and encourage them to do the same. Let's make every effort as brothers and sisters to keep meeting in the ways we can. Because 
Vaccination passports are not the solution to us gathering again as the body of Christ. In case it wasn't clear the other night at our Going Deeper event, let me reiterate. The Bible is super clear that we're called to be one body with no favoritism. James 2 tells us that there is to be no partiality, that there is to be no discrimination amongst us. James 2 says this, My brothers and sisters, do not show favoritism as you hold on to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians similarly would teach the same thing, that, that Jesus has broken down the dividing wall of hostility. So that those of you who were baptized into Christ have been closed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. So where does this leave us? Well, it means that as a church, we might be doing online services for a while longer yet. Inviting people into our homes, because the new framework does not place passport requirements on private gatherings. But all that may change tomorrow. <laughs> and it's hard to have much certainty at all during these times. And so however hard that is to conceive, to, to, to be able to continue to have people in our homes and do church online, we've got to recognize that this does present us with a unique opportunity, a unique opportunity for us to do the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. And so, We've got some really exciting Christmas plans, which Ron's going to tell us about in a little moment. But this could be a, a really amazing opportunity in which God chooses to use this Christmas season to bring more and more people into his family and into our church here at EV. And we want to pray that he really does do that. So what is the foundation of membership? Well, it's loving and belonging to the community that the gospel creates here at EV. Because God doesn't give us a choice about whether we want to be in the church. If we're Christians, we're already part of the family. We belong to God, and as such, we belong to each other. And therefore, we get to express our family likeness. This is the heartbeat of membership. A local family called together by God, shaped by the gospel, lived out in community. For the good of one another, the spread of the gospel, and the glory of God. So let's pray that would be exactly that. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you've acted in human history by sending your son into the world. Thank you that through Jesus' blood shed on the cross for our sins, we now have complete access to you. And as you grow your family, we ask that you would help each of us to resemble the family likeness. We give you great thanks for this church family that you've called us into. And we ask that you would please forgive us when we have failed to prioritize gathering together. Would you help us to encourage one another, to provoke each other to love and good works as we keep the future day of Jesus' return in perspective? We ask this for Jesus' name's sake. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon recording from Auckland EV. We hope you found it helpful. And if you'd like to find out more about Jesus or about church, we'd love to get in touch. So check out our website at aucklandev.co.nz for more details. Thanks for listening.